Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, part two of my two-part conversation with an expert witness in the adverse effects of antidepressant medication. It's just so frightening. This stuff is just, it's literally surrounded us where it's coming through everybody's back door. And that's exactly what a pharmacist said when she testified to the FDA in the very first hearing. She was still crying because she had attempted suicide on Prozac. Her husband, she kept trying to warn him. He, both of them pharmacists. Have you subscribed to my free monthly newsletter yet? The Inner Sanctum is jam-packed with news and information, and it's delivered free to your email inbox once a month. All you need to do is register your name and email address at my website, strangeplanet.ca. The Inner Sanctum contains a spotlight on previous guests from my weekly radio program and this podcast. There is my podcast pick of the month, a book club, a This Month in Conspiracy History section, and more. The Inner Sanctum is yours, absolutely free. Again, all you need to do is register at strangeplanet.ca. And once you've registered, your name automatically goes into a monthly draw for great Strange Planet gear for my Strange Planet shop. Register right now at strangeplanet.ca. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday, and as promised, Part two of my two-part conversation with Anne Blake Tracy, the author of Prozac, Panacea or Pandora, Our Serotonin Nightmare. And we're discussing the connection between the SSRI class of drugs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, and homicidal and suicidal tendencies, and mass shootings. One of the survivors of the Columbine shooting, uh, Mark, who sustained... Tremendous. I can't believe anyone would survive being shot between 7 and 13 times. However, he survived, sued the drug company, won. What happened to him after that? Well, he didn't sue the drug company and win. Oh, okay. They talked him into settling by making him think he was going to go to jail if he didn't settle. What? And... um his attorney was apparently in on that because he was the one that convinced him of it. It's a long story. But anyway, <laughs> they talked him into accepting a $10,000 donation to a charity of his choice. That was the settlement. Oh, dear Lord. I know. I mean, he called me as soon as he got out of there, and this was a surprise meeting. The Denver Post reporter stood outside during the whole thing. I talked to him for a little while. He said, I can't believe this. And I said, neither can I. <laughs> I tried to talk to the attorney in the middle of it, telling him that it was totally illegal, that Mark had just barely turned 21, but he laid for an hour and a half bleeding to death in front of Columbine. 
I said that's a lot of brain damage because that's a lot of oxygen loss to the brain with that much bleeding. So I said he is not legally 21 years of age, but he didn't listen. Anyway, Mark was taken in on trumped-up charges trying to say that he he was always going to border books because he wrote a book about what happened to him called I Ask, God Answered because he was praying the whole time that he would be able to see his family again and survive. But anyway, he um, went in to check on his book all the time that he had written to see how many had sold and got accused of threatening to blow the place up. So they stuck him in a psych ward. Even the head of that psychiatric facility caught the mother at church and said, get him out of Colorado. They're trying to kill him with these drugs. Mm. I was able to get him out. She did that, but what she didn't tell me is that they had not given him any of the drugs they had put him on to wean off. So he went cold turkey. She thought he was having a seizure and ran him into an emergency room. They took one look at his records, saw the psychiatric history, and said, no, it's psychiatric. They've had him ever since. So they've been drugging him for 10 years with the drugs that he was testifying against for years. He's in a psychiatric institution? No, he's in a group home at this point. Ah. On 10 medications. Oh, my Lord. Have you had any contact with him? Yes. Does he know who you are at this point, or is he is he sort of out of it? No, he does. He does know who I am. He's holding it. There's a lot of people praying for him, but it's just, it's criminal. It's obvious. Just It was just to shut him up. This is uh, Mark Taylor, the author of I Asked, God Answered, A Columbine Miracle. Yeah. Just 16 at the time and uh, shot up to 13 times and survived. Settled out of court with a drug company. boy, they call him. Oh, my Lord. Uh, was wh- One thing I need you to help me understand, Anne, in many of these mass shootings, there there seems to be you know, long-term planning. It, it's not a spontaneous kind of a lashing out. How does that play into someone's brain that, when they're awash in serotonin? Like, for example, the suicide seems Very to be easy. far more spontaneous. The suicide seems to be more spontaneous, but these mass shootings, sometimes they are weeks in planning. Okay. Um, Eric Harris had had the same dream about shooting up Columbine several times before... He ever did it. But, and the vivid dreams that I talk about, I know play a part of it. But the description of the side effect of homicidal ideation or suicidal ideation, what that means is basically a compulsion to kill. It is constant ruminating thoughts of killing and various methods of killing. So these run through their mind over and over and over again to where they can hardly think of anything else. And in working with patients for almost 30 years now, I found that what happens is they will fight that urge 
to kill. So it looks as if, you know, and then it will abate for a period of time, and then it'll come back and hit them again, depending on the toxicity in their brain. And they will fight it off again. So it actually looks like they're planning this when, in fact, they're doing everything they can to fight it off until they finally can no longer fight those toxic effects and follow through. Ah, that is, uh, that's fascinating. Um, it's horrible. It is horrible. In fact, but- on... On the website where I mentioned that there's the little round black circles yes. with different subjects, the last one there, I think there's six altogether, the last one is titled, Why I Took a Gun to School. And this is another 16-year-old boy who did this, and he explains exactly what happened to him. It's only 10 to 15 minutes long, and it's Excellent. The whole world should hear him explain this. He became very close friends with Mark as well. Mark Taylor. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, speaking so here's of- a school shooter and a kid that was shot that understood it enough and were crying to the world to please stop drugging your kids. Uh, in the uh, speaking of uh, Columbine again, because you mentioned Mark Taylor. Uh, did either Klebold or Harris, did they, did they call out for help? Did they, in advance, yes. did they say, I'm having these compulsions to kill? Oh, yes. Um, Eric was on Zoloft for six weeks and told everyone, you know, there's, there's something wrong here because, you know, I'm having thoughts of killing people. And it really scared him. And so what did the doctors do? They took him off Zoloft and put him on Luvox. I mean, do these idiots think that if they spell the name of a drug differently, it's going to work differently? Right, right. They're both SSRIs. They're doing the same thing. So I am sure Eric, just a kid thought, well, maybe it wasn't the drug, it's, it must be me, there's something wrong with my brain, and and was afraid to say anything else after that, I don't know. And what about Eric Harris? You mean Dylan? I'm sorry, Dylan, yes. That was Eric, okay. With Dylan, we don't know as much, because his parents had all of his records sealed, which is absolutely unbelievable to me that anybody would ever allow that to happen Mm -hmm. in a mass murder. But one of his friends approached Mark Taylor's mother and told her that she had been helping Dylan to come off both Zoloft and Paxil. She was trying to do it on her own. Mm -hmm. Oh, dear. Yeah. I mean... just about everybody's left on their own because doctors generally don't have a clue how to get anybody off these drugs. They know how to get them on them, but they don't know how to safely get them off. Well, let's talk about that. I mean, you have a, a DVD, I believe, or a CD. How, how, how do you do it? Yeah, I do have a CD that goes for an hour and a half explaining how and why and what's going on. 
but you have to go very, very slowly because of the strong steroid effect the drugs produce. One single 30-milligram dose of Prozac will double your cortisol level. Just one dose. In fact, I called an endocrinologist one day, and I said, can you tell me how long the human body can tolerate having the cortisol level doubled on a daily basis? He said, oh, my gosh, you can't do that to someone. I said, if you could, how long would you think the body could possibly handle that? He said, gosh, a month, maybe two, three at the most. And he said, why are you asking me this? And I said, well, that's what one 30-milligram dose of Prozac does. He goes, oh, no, 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 no. Prozac's a wonderful drug. I had to tell him where the study was so he could go find it because he had never heard it. Here he is, an endocrinologist who should know something that significant. I mean, that's like taking a huge shot of, of um, cortisone. And the reason he didn't know is because Lily, when they did that study, did it in Italy. So they wouldn't have to report it in the U.S. How did this get by the FDA? Money. <laughs> hmm. I'm blunt. It had to be. And I, I sat through, I have been to every one of the hearings that they have had on these drugs. The first hearing... They had all the doctors who sat on the board sign a waiver saying that they would not allow any financial interest they had to interfere with their decision that day. Every one of them had a financial interest. One of them up to $32 million. So what do you think they came back with? Mm-hmm. Rubber stamp. Mm-hmm. And where do everyone at the FDA go for a job after they leave the FDA? Exactly. Back to the pharmaceuticals. It's the revolving door, isn't it? Yep. That's a problem. They That's a huge want problem. to screw up their job waiting for them. I mean, this is a problem not only at the FDA, but, uh, uh, you know, even uh, the agriculture department, everywhere, everywhere. Everywhere. I know. It's it's just sickening. How did you how did you I don't find understand out, it? How did you learn <laughs> what is your background? How did you learn so much about this? Uh, I read every piece of research I could find for four years straight. I mean fourteen, sixteen hours a day. I had to know what these drugs were doing. And the more I read, the more concerned I became. And I was just literally obsessed in knowing what was going on because I could see that it was spreading like crazy. And the more I would learn, I'd say, oh, my gosh, people have got to wake up to this before we have this. And here we are in the middle of this now. I don't know how to stop it other than try to get the word out to as many people as possible. We are surrounded by this stuff. They just had a threat at my grandchildren's school. Someone with a gun? It's just so frightening. This stuff is just, it's literally surrounded us. Where it's coming through everybody's back door. 
And that's exactly what a pharmacist said when she testified to the FDA in the very first hearing. She was still crying because she had attempted suicide on Prozac. Her husband, she kept trying to warn him. He, both of them pharmacists, had their own pharmacy. She kept saying, you've got to get off of this drug. He kept saying, I'm doing fine, until he walked in while the, her and the children were watching TV one day and shot himself in oh, front of them. gosh. She said, this is not a medication. This is a drug. We have removed it from our shelves. We will not sell it. What you are doing is terrible. And she said the day will come that every family in this country will be affected. She's right. What do we know about the Parkland shooter? We know that he was adopted, number one. And and I know a whole lot of young moms that gave up their babies because they were on these drugs when they became pregnant. So... Their chances are he could have been exposed in the womb because he was given up for adoption. Um, we know that he began to be medicated quite early in life. They diagnosed him as autistic. And according to the judge, he was being treated for ADHD and depression. I'm trying to think what else. But we know he was on at least two drugs for quite some time. His mother died just a month. Was it just a month before? Two months before the shooting. And I would imagine somebody increased his dose. I mean, he suddenly lost his mom. Right. He died of pneumonia, I believe. Right, yes. So it was rather sudden. Um so I'm sure that he, that the dose was adjusted. And Eric's was as well. His dose was doubled just two months before the shooting. Uh, James Holmes, the Aurora theater right. shooting. On Zoloft. He was on Zoloft. Yes. I, I, look, at, I look at his face in court and those mm-hmm. eyes... Um, like a There's, deer in the headlight. Absolutely, a deer in the headlight. And, and, and I did what? Exactly, yes. Yes, and I don't think anybody else saw what I saw. I saw a tweet that came in from the officer who first found him and arrested him. And he said, I have never seen so much sweat pour off of a human body. Oh, and bingo. That's serotonin syndrome. It's one of your first signs of very high levels of serotonin. More of my conversation with Anne Blake Tracy when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. I want to tell you about something I discovered recently called carbon-60. I call it the miracle molecule. Now, you might remember an interview I did recently with a researcher, Chris Burris, who's looking to help people who experience pain, inflammation, loss of sleep, or lost mental acuity with his new C60 company, c60evo.com. 
He has a product which is a consumable form of Carbon 60 called ESS60 that's been proven in peer-reviewed published research to extend the lifespan of test rats by 90% while allowing them to live tumor-free. That's pretty amazing. Those rats were given the C60Evo.com formula. The formula is a powerful antioxidant, 172 times more powerful than vitamin C, and it's known to be a powerful anti-inflammatory. C60 is based on Nobel Prize winning chemistry. I highly recommend ESS60. The mighty Aphrodite and I take a tablespoon every morning and we're both pain-free and sleeping better than ever. Discover the benefits of Carbon 60. I call it the miracle molecule, ESS60, from c60evo.com. Now, make sure to use the coupon code RS1SPEC. That's RS1SPEC for a special Christmas discount. Buy today at c60evo.com. That's C. 60evo.com and don't forget the code RS1SPEC. This product has not been assessed by the FDA and is not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure. If you have a medical concern, please consult your healthcare provider. In another reality, Richard is a very strong and handsome man. Just not in our reality. Although I heard somebody passing him in the hall the other day, and it was good, good, a handsome man, Richard is. I made that up. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. And Blake Tracy, Executive Director of the International Coalition for Drug Awareness, and the book is Prozac, Panacea or Pandora. Uh, what edition is it in now, Anne? It's the third. Third edition. All right, and that's and available. And the subtitle is Our Serotonin Nightmare. Our Serotonin Nightmare. But I have an email from Avril, or Avril. Hi, Richard. Could you please ask your guest to comment on the fact that doctors and hospitals are giving many seniors antipsychotic mm. and antidepressant drugs? They give this for depression or any behavioral issues, including patients with dementia. Dementia patients can have severe... Uh, I think she means hearing issues when taking these meds. Can your guest right. address these issues? And are there more se- senior suicides than are being reported? Thanks. Go ahead, Anne. I agree. Mm-hmm. I just watched them kill my friend's mother, but I did everything I could to hurry and try to open a nursing home where it was medication-free before she died, but unfortunately, my friend's brothers and sisters put her in the nursing home, wouldn't listen, let them give her antidepressants, and she very quickly started having all the reactions and ended up dead before I could do anything. She started, they gave her Celexa, she started having the heart problems. Her throat started closing. The main function of serotonin is constriction of muscle tissue. So you end up with the veins and the arteries. Uh, It's a vasoconstrictor. So they constrict. Your bronchial tubes constrict. So you start having lung problems as well, breathing problems. 
Uh, in the very beginning, I kept saying, boy, I wish I had money to invest in CPAP machines because everyone on an antidepressant seems to end up on them. Uh, so I, they, it just causes so many problems. And here you've got the elderly, the organs are beginning to gradually shut down. So... Of course, they can't handle the drug the way someone who is younger and healthy can. So, of course, it hits them hard and fast. And it is just sad to see what's happening. And my friend said all of the people in there were drugged. And that was one reason her mother became depressed when she got in there. I mean, it's depressing enough knowing you're going into one of those places. The poor woman said, maybe if I did more dishes, I wouldn't have to go. Oh, that's so sad. I just, that broke my heart. This was the sweetest lady. So full of life and used all kinds of natural things to keep herself healthy. They refused to let her use anything natural, including just carrot juice, occasionally. Are you getting through to any of the the, the medical doctors, any any of the psychiatrists? Are they starting to come around? Any of them? Oh, a handful, sure. Yeah, there there are a few that know enough to pay attention, but I'm hearing over and over. The first time I heard it is when. A Russian camera crew came to America to do a documentary with me. That was in 2007. They had me give a lecture, and there were a couple of psychiatric nurses that came, and one stood up afterwards and she said, everything you said here tonight is true. I know because I'm on Lexapro, and I've had every one of those side effects. And then she explained that she was a psych nurse, and she said, but you don't know what's going on out here. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, 75% of the doctors and nurses I work with are on these drugs. 75%? Yeah, you should have seen all the cameras in the room whirl as fast as they could onto her. (laughs) They wanted that recorded. But... um. She said, yes, the drug reps are coming in and saying to everyone, look, you're in a very stressful profession. You know that the stress is going to cause depression. By the way, they test stress and depression by checking cortisol levels. And what did I say these drugs Uh, do? Right. They elevate cortisol levels. They elevate cortisol So anyway, that was the story that they were using to get them to start taking antidepressants early so that they wouldn't be hit by the depression that would come from the stress. Oh, so now they're they're saying take it as a preventative. Exactly. Even if you're not depressed. And I just said, you mean to tell me that they fell for that old sales line? She said, I guess so. Are these these side effects listed uh, anywhere in the literature? Not all of them. Did they list homicidal and suicidal tendencies? Yes. And not all of them list the homicidal yet. But if you know enough to know how to read through them, and you gather, what they'll do is they'll water down the side effects. 
also like they'll talk about insomnia or they do list nightmares, you know, but they don't put it all together and say, by the way, this is a REM sleep disorder. We have just a few minutes left. Did you ever think when you wrote this book, it's been nearly 25 years, you'd still oh be talking gosh. about this? A quarter century later, we'd still be talking about this? No, I thought it would take a year, maybe two, and these drugs would be off the market. I had no idea the kind of money I was fighting. <laughs> I was just naive. I thought everybody cared about everybody else, and surely they'd want to do the right thing. So it's been a real wake-up call for me. <laughs> That's true. I mean, we're, we're probably talking about, what, hundreds of billions of dollars Yeah, at stake here. It's a lot of money. I just... I know I just couldn't conceive that there were people out there that didn't care about others enough to make sure that nothing terrible like this could happen to someone. <sighs> There's got to be a, a whistleblower on the inside. Like uh, who was the? Uh, there uh, already has been the doctor who bought the approval for Prozac came forward. All of his information is on our website mm. as well. He talks about the bribe. I did the first show with him that he did here in America, and I asked him point blank how much he paid the doctor to get the approval. They got it in Sweden because Sweden has very strict laws on drug approval, and they knew if they got it in Sweden, the other countries would look the other way and say, sure, go ahead, that one's all right. And that, so that's what they did. They told him to get the approval any way he could, and he said money, and they said, sure, go for anything. So he's kind of the Jeff, was it Jeffrey Wigand who was the, uh, the whistleblower in the tobacco companies? Um, I don't remember, but I know whenever the insider came out, everybody said, you gotta watch that, it's like your life history. That's right, right. <laughs> Exactly, except with Jeffrey Wigan. I wasn't inside like this doctor was. But but we know how you know the uh, the Jeffrey Wigan sort of testimony ended, and that is you know they ended up hauling all those tobacco CEOs in on, in front of uh, on on right. Capitol Hill, and and um, and the same thing should happen with this. Exactly. Do you do you have any hope in in heck that it's going at to happen? At least tobacco didn't cause you to kill a whole bunch of people before right. you died. That's right. Well, and well, I, I guess in a way, secondhand smoke, but not such violence. No, my gosh, we have to people. We have to wake up and start at least looking at this seriously. Uh, oh, I know. It scares me to know what I know about these drugs. Scares me to death. And Blake Tracy again. The website is drugawareness.org, and um, keep doing what you're doing, Anne. That's all we can ask. Okay, I will as long as I can. I never dreamed I'd have to do it this long. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. All right. Thank you. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back with a few words about an upcoming episode. If you want to support my work here at Strange Planet, please consider becoming an official donor. It's easy. 
just go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. There are several donation tiers to choose from, from a dollar per month to $50 a month. For the month of December, new donors at the 10, 20, and $50 per month tier receive a free mug from my Strange Planet shop. Donors in the $20 tier also have their names appear on a crawl during the YouTube live stream of my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show. And donors in the $50 tier receive a special on-air thank you on my radio program. Whatever you give, your support helps keep my radio program and this podcast going. Help me pursue the truth wherever it leads. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Thank you and God bless. Coming up next time, a screenwriter of alternative history envisions a world where the Beatles stayed together. United Artists was getting the rights to the Lord of the Rings, and so uh, the Beatles still owed United Artists another movie. And uh, they also were considering Stanley Kubrick to direct such a movie. It would have been a movie that he would have done after 2001 in place of Clockwork Orange, for example. So I took all of that and said, well, what if, it, what if this arrow of history broke in the way that would allow that to have happened? And as it turns out, uh, this was confirmed in 2002 when the director of our Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson, talked to Paul McCartney, and McCartney said, oh yeah, we were trying to make that movie. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.